Welcome to Famous with Kate and Liz. Hi, everybody. I'm Kate. I'm Liz. What's up, party people? (laughs) We are here, and we've just been having the most fantastic conversation pre-recording. I just have to let you know. Absolutely. Just everybody just go call a friend right now and just chit chat. Just shoot the shit for at least 15 minutes. Just right now. Pause this episode. Yeah. (laughs) Just do it. It's good for the soul. And then tell your friend about Famous with Kate and Liz. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. I forgot the whole most important part of that, of course. Um, but we are back with our famous divas series. Yes. This is going to be our, our last diva for the time. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll dabble in more divas. Oh, I'm definitely down diva. to dabble in divas. <laughs> yeah. Dabbling in divas is basically my life's goal at the moment. <laughs> yep. It just makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's a so it's we, a great bowling name too, or like softball oh team name. Yes, I love that actually. Um, so yeah, we did share last time um, and learned a lot. And like this week, you're doing someone who's just as iconic. Um, and I don't like know too much about her like personal story, so I'm excited to listen and learn. Yeah. And we have a little crossover from your share we have a little reference we pull from your share story so stay tuned for that how does my diva and share have kind of a sordid past yeah well so didn't we not learn I believe okay so let's say who you're doing (laughs) oh right (laughs) okay this week we have the international treasure, voice of an actual angel, living legend, honestly, a true gift to us all. That's right. Miss Supreme herself, Diana Ross. That's right. Golf Yes. Golf yes. Oh, Diana I, Ross. She really does. Mm. And, you know, embody the golf clap. I feel like that's like meant for her because you're just like, she's so grace, (laughs) but we learned that Cher was a backup singer for a lot of people when she got started Mm -hmm. too. And I think, Mm -hmm. um, the Supremes, she might've done some work with them. Yes. She definitely was friends with Miss Ross. Um, (laughs) that is, that is a fact. So that we will get into a little later. Um, when we're into like the scandal of it all. Um, okay. So remember, just want to give a disclaimer. We're not talking about a diva in a negative term. Yes. Right. We're not talking about the temperamental, hard to please woman diva. Let's fucking reclaim that word. All right. Like, I don't like, I don't like that there's negative connotation to it sometimes. (laughs) We're talking old school, classic, like enormously celebrated female entertainers, you know, mm-hmm. whose careers have withstood the test of time. So that's the diva that we're talking about, um, you know, in this sense, because, you know, there's a negative connotation around it. But we're only covering the like major iconic 
just like yeah I'm so diva because like all these women are hard working badasses you know so (laughs) yeah they're business smart like business savvy and yeah they're just like girl bosses and we're here for it so and Diana Ross really is like one of the original like I feel like she's paved the way for like a lot of the music that we have today yep she she started right with like the rise of Motown like she was there from the beginning so um and we'll get into that but um one thing that I loved about researching for this episode um I got to kind of do like a mini deep dive into Motown Mm -hmm, which which would like be an amazing episode on its own like I Mm. can't even go into like everything that Motown is and stands for you know but um you know I was thinking we could do an episode about just Motown oh, <laughs> like absolutely. at a date, like yeah. record labels or something mm-hmm. something like that um but anyway I love like relearning anything about the 60s too it's just like was such a polarizing time which crazily enough is not that different from like how it is today yeah. which is crazy and never ceases to completely amaze me in a horrendous way um but I digress I digress it's just like I feel like so many people are just like fascinated by the 60s -hmm. and then it's like the same shit is actually still happening like but so much has also changed Mm -hmm. that you can't even comprehend like the things that just I don't know. I can't even get into it. <laughs> That's not no, what yeah. episode is about. But it's in that same time, like could, that 60s. Totally. Yeah, we could do a whole episode on decades. <laughs> um <laughs> Yes. No, I mean, I agree. I totally agree. And so that's cool that you got to kind of re-explore that because she, you know, was so influential during that time too. Yeah, crazy. So um, I just wanted to kind of go go back to Motown and kind of what I was looking into. When did it start? Like, I've always heard of Motown, but I don't know, like, the ex- like exactly how it started and who was part of it when they first started, yada, yada, yada. So if you think about, like I said, the 60s, um, Barry Gordy Jr. had just incorporated Motown Records in the one and only Detroit, Michigan, which is truly one of my favorite places I've ever been. Um, But like business was booming in the 60s in Detroit. And don't get me wrong, racial tensions were high as apparently they always are, because why hasn't that changed? Um, But this was like before the famous Detroit riots, like of- Right, I was just about to say, weren't there riots? Yeah, yeah, in that in 1967. So that hadn't okay. happened yet, but like just think this is like pre all, all of that the tension happening. building towards that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. So um the songs that were produced and the performers that came out of Motown were popular not just in the black community but with 
different races, religions, all over the world, you know. So the the start of Motown Records was amazing, really. Yeah, and it was like the start of black music get. really being popularized, I feel like, mm-hmm. which you know, and that just goes to show that, yeah, like you said, people from around the world love Motown artists. Yeah. Yep. So, um, oh, so I mentioned the start of Motown Records also in Barry Gordy Jr. because he is a central figure in Diana Ross's rise to fame. So, like I said, she grew right up with them. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we can actually go back to Diana Ross's childhood and upbringing. So, um, again, Detroit, Michigan, Diana Ross was born on March 26, 1944, and she was the second eldest child of Ernestine and Fred Ross Sr., and her older sister is an American physician named Barbara Ross Lee, so good for her. (laughs) Good for her. Um, And here's a little fun fact. According to... Diana, her mother actually named her Diane, but a clerical error resulted in her name being recorded as Diana on her birth certificate. Hmm. So she, she was actually listed as Diane during the first Supremes records. And she Uh. introduced herself as Diane until like early in the group's heyday. So her friends and family still call her Diane Mm -hmm. because that's like what, they wanted her name to be like, but, I feel like if uh, there was a clerical error, can't you be like, excuse me, can you correct the name of my child, please? Like, I know, I know. it's insane. Right. Right. Like why, uh, why aren't we there yet? And like, <laughs> In that why, so why did she change it to Diana? Like people thought it was better or just because it was her legal name. I mean, like if I, Cher I taught us anything. It was, yes. Yes. <laughs> I think it was yourself. Yeah. You can come up with any name you want. Yeah. So, but I think, I think because she had to do all her business stuff probably in her, just probably, her name, you know? Yeah. And that's probably just so, how like people started reporting on her, you know, too, if that was like yeah. how she was listed and whatnot, then, you know, that gets out there sometimes before you can even introduce yourself too. Right. True, true, true. Um, so Ross and her family originally lived on Belmont Road in the North End section of Detroit near Highland Park. Um, where one of her neighbors was Smokey Robinson. Oh, yeah. I knew he had a lot to do with... um, Yeah, and I've heard that Aretha Franklin is from that neighborhood also, like that specific neighborhood. Like, a a lot of influential Motown people are ending up being from um, Belmont Road area, which is pretty awesome. Um, But on her 14th birthday in 1958... Her family relocated to the working class Brewster Douglas housing projects, and she was attending um, Cass Technical High School, which was a four-year college and preparatory magnet school in downtown Detroit. And she started taking classes, including clothing design, millinery, millinery, uh, Mm. I don't know that, um, pattern making and tailoring, um, because she wanted to be a fashion designer. So that was like her track. Her track, her goal was to be 
a fashion designer. Um, she also took modeling and cosmetology classes at the school and participated in three or four other extracurricular activities while being at the high school. Um, she also worked at Hudson's department store where it had been apparently claimed in biographies that she was the first black employee quote allowed outside the kitchen. Oh, God. Um, yeah. So that was like a big to do, which is like, trailblazer. And um, also probably because she's light skinned, you know, like I can definitely yeah. see her as a model, um, you know, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Yeah. So also for extra income, she provided hairdressing services for her neighbors. So she, she was like just talented basically. Yeah. It seems like just a creative artistic person. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Um, at the age of 15, she joined the primates and that was a sister group of a male vocal group called the primes. And, um, So along with Diana Ross, the other members of the Primates were Florence Ballard, Mary Wilson, RIP, we'll get to it, Mm. and Betty McGlown. So um, they did, they ended up getting into this talent competition and they won and they were invited as like the prize of winning this to audition for Motown Records. So, um, they ended up doing this audition with Motown Records and she was 15. So just oh, wow. remember like, okay. how young she yeah. was. Um, but I wanted to literally take a side to talk about Mary Wilson, who was okay. one of the original members. And I just listened to Vivica A. Fox's podcast called Hustling oh. with Vivica A. Fox. What? And gosh, yeah. Her guest was Mary Wilson. I like it. Okay. So um, it was from May 2020. And it was it was like a really good listen, actually. So it's so, so sad that she just recently passed away. And um, she mentioned several times in the interview about how this upcoming year was going to be like her 60th anniversary in show business, which is oh, like wow. really epic. Um, but you know, this is an episode about Diana Ross. I know not Mary Wilson, but just saying like, she is a music icon mm-hmm. also, you know, and, and they have their, or had their kind of feuding and right. tabloid drama. Um, but she did just pass away. So RIP Mary Wilson, because she was there also from the beginning in yeah. the climax. So wow. she was there with 15 year old, Diana Ross, um, you know, uh, auditioning basically in front of, you know, the Motown leaders, whoever, <laughs> like <laughs> the people who decide who get, I don't know, signed or something. I don't know how labels work. Okay. Record <laughs> labels. Um, but she is also a celebrated icon. So I just wanted to say that about Mary Wilson. Shout out to Mary. Yeah. Shout out. RIP Mary Wilson. Um, so then back to after they auditioned for Motown Records, um, they had local success. So like they auditioned, whatever, they don't get signed. They have local success 
because they're performing at Sock Hops, mm-hmm. which is amazing. And I want to go to a Sock Hop. <laughs> like, Bring back Sock Hops. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. after justice, COVID. But <laughs> justice for Sock Hops, okay? Because they need to come back. Um, so, oh, so Diana Ross at also this time approached her former neighbor um, and rumored childhood boyfriend, um, Smokey Robinson. Yep. So he, he basically was like, I want you to audition for me. And he, um, he agreed to bring the primates to Motown, I guess, after like auditioning for him. So he said, because like they were so good and he's like, all right, I'll bring you guys to Motown to audition, but you need to give me your um, guitarist, Marv Tarplin, and like for a tour, an upcoming tour. So they agreed, like, okay, you can use our guitarist, whatever, and if you let us. And Marv was probably like, "Um, do I have any say in this? Exactly, (laughs) exactly, exactly. So he, like, this uh, guitarist ended up playing in Smokey Robinson's band for the next 30 years. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, so he was only supposed to go, like, on one tour with them and he ended up staying with them so it was like a match match made in heaven um okay another yeah so another thing um in her autobiography secrets of a sparrow which iconic name for an autobiography secrets of a sparrow um she wrote that she felt um that that deal with Robinson and the guitarist was a fair trade. She was like cool with it. And they were able to audition for Motown because of this trade. And um, this is when she was able to get like in front of Barry Gordy and in his autobiography. So he's the CEO of Motown in his autobiography called to be loved he recalled that he was heading to a business meeting when he heard Ross singing, there goes my baby. And he said, Ross's voice quote, stopped me in my tracks. So totally. She is very much like Dolly Parton to me with like that voice. That's just so effortlessly natural. An iconic voice. Yeah. that, That like the split second you hear it, you know exactly who it is. And that is rare and a gift. Okay. So yeah, totally. Yeah. So he ended up approaching the group and asked them to perform like he wanted them to perform the song again, but he found out like how young they were and he advised them to come back after graduating from high school. So he was like, I want you guys to have an education first, which is very progressive. (laughs) You know, like he was like, no, finish high school, graduate and then come back. So um, the group basically ended up hanging out at Hitsville, USA, which is like the main headquarters for Motown Records. And um, they I think she ended up becoming like a secretary there or something like they were there all the time. So they would do hand claps like in the background. They would Uh. take any job that they would give give them. 
because they're like, okay, you won't sign us yet, but we're going to like, just literally hang out here all day and do whatever we can do. (laughs) Like in the meantime. Um, and in the early, oh, okay. So that year the group recorded two tracks for Lupine records with Ross singing lead on one of the tracks. And during their early years, Ross served as hairstylist, makeup artist, seamstress, and costume designer. Oh, wow. She's like Beyonce's mom. (laughs) Yes. yes. She just used like all her knowledge from school to be like, okay. Um, so in late 1960, having replaced McGlown with Barbara Martin, the Primettes were allowed to record their own songs at Hitsville Studio, and many of them were written by Smokey Robinson, um, who by then was vice president of Motown, um, and Gordy also composed songs for the trio, um, and they were like regional hits, but nothing was getting nationwide success. So in January 1961, Barry Gordy agreed to sign the group on the condition that they changed their name. And eventually, Janie Bradford, don't know who she is, um, approached Florence Ballard, the only group member who was at the studio at the time, to pick out a new name for the group. So you're like part of this trio. And they're like, hey, you, you pick the name of the group. So she chose the Supremes. Because it was the only name on the list that didn't end with et, you know? Uh, okay. so mm-hmm. She was like, whatever name they gave me that didn't end in et would have been our name. Because, well, because, yeah. yeah, you want to stand out. Like, there's already so many of the ets, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So upon hearing the new name, the other members weren't impressed. Um, and Ross told Ballard she feared the group would be mistaken for a male group, um, which there actually is, you know, a male vocal group named the Supremes. So, Oh, I did not know that. (laughs) It was, she's like, it's easily mistaken, whatever. So Gordy signed the group under their name on January 15th, 1961. So they were officially known as the Supremes signed and everything in 1961. So, um, a year later, Barbara Martin left the group. Um, so now, now they're a trio. So they okay. were a quartet. Ah, uh, okay. So now I always thought they were a trio. I didn't know that. Yep. Yep. So in late 1963, the group had their first hit with when the love light starts shining through his eyes, which is a long title. Yeah. I was just thinking that exact same thought. <laughs> long not gonna lie yeah not gonna lie um and that peaked at number 23 on the billboard hot 100 pop chart so at the end of the year gordy assigned ross as the group's lead singer even though ballard was usually the lead vocalist so at this Mm -hmm. point it's like the beyonce moment you know Mm -hmm. when beyonce was chosen to sing lead that we should call the Diana Ross effect, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I mean, Beyonce's dad was also her, like, their manager. So I think he's true, like, true, you're going to be true. the lead. <laughs> true, but true, no, true, it's, true. it is true. Like, I was just thinking about Destiny's Child and all the similarities, how they used to be four and then there were three and, you know, um, rumors of feuding and, all, you know, very similar. 
Yeah, and 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 there is some sort of relationship between Ross and Gordy even back in this day. Like there had to have been. So you know, it's like, oh, you're his favorite, kind oh, of like oh. a father daughter thing, you okay. know. So um, the group scored their first number one hit with Where Did Our Love Go, paving the way for unprecedented success. And between August 1964 and May 1967, Ross Wilson and Ballard sang on 10 number one hit singles, all of which also made the UK top 40. And the group had also become a hit with audiences both domestically and abroad, going on to become Motown's most successful vocal act throughout the 60s. Um, following significant issues with her comportment, weight, and alcoholism, Florence Ballard was fired from the Supremes by Gordy oh. in July 1967. So that's when they hired Cindy Birdsong from Patti LaBelle and the Bluebells. As, For last um, year's Birdsong? That's freaking cool. Yeah. For a singer. yeah. I know. Isn't it? Isn't that an awesome last name? Yep. Cindy Birdsong. Um, so Patti LaBelle was like, sure take Cindy Bird song. She's a gem. So now um, she's part of the trio now. So okay. it's, you know, it's evolving. It's evolving. Mm-hmm. Um, Gordy. She's Michelle Williams. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, she's <laughs> the Michelle Williams. Exactly. Exact analogy. Um, so it's at this point that Gordy kind of wants to make it official and he renamed the group Diana Ross and the Supremes. So uh, apparently okay. it was easier to charge a larger performance fee for a solo star and a backup group. So, um, you know, business decision just to make more money. It was, Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Mm-hmm. And, um, Gordy initially considered Ross leaving the Supremes for a solo career in 1966, but changed his mind because the group's success was still too significant for, um, Ross to pursue like also solo obligations mm-hmm. so Ross remained with the Supremes until early 1970 okay um and let's see and so after she left they just kind of dissolved because I know she had her own solo career too but um right they didn't right like well, the Supremes didn't carry on I guess yeah her. we'll do so apparently there was like anxieties um arising from Gordy's demands of her so you know she suffered anorexia nervosa according to her biography Secrets of a Uh Sparrow um like she Gordy was just demanding so much Mm -hmm. of her and during famously during a 1967 performance in Boston um, Ross collapsed on stage and had to be hospitalized for exhaustion. Oh so God. that was kind of like, you know, she was just doing too much, doing yeah. too much. Gordy's demands on her were pressure. Crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1968, Ross began to perform as a solo artist on television specials, including the Supreme's own special, um, TCB and GIT on Broadway, the Dinah Shore, the Dinah Shore show and a Bob Hope special among like a ton of other TV specials. Um, in mid 1969, Gordy decided that Ross would depart the group by the end of that year. And Ross began recording her initial solo work that July. 
So um, one of the first plans for Ross to establish her own solo career was to publicly introduce a new Motown recording act. And who do you think she was going to introduce? Uh, was it Michael Jackson or the Jackson <laughs> 5? <laughs> Yes, good. You I thought there was Motown some connection knowledge. there. I thought there was some mm-hmm. connection between um, MJ yes. and Herb. Um, You're right, and that's been in the news in the you know not too far past. So mm-hmm. that's probably where you're getting that from too. So um, and we'll get to that. But so she herself did not claim the discovery. Motown's um, publicity department credited Ross with having discovered the Jackson Five. So Ross would end up introducing the group during several public events, including the Hollywood Palace. And in November, Ross confirmed um, a split from the Supremes in Billboard. So she like introduces the Jackson Five Mm -hmm. and then says publicly, I've split from the Supremes. Um, Ross is... Did she and Barry Gordy ever have a romantic relationship? Okay, or- so I'm about to get into uh, that. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. I was, was just kind of so wondering. Hard. It no. seems very, like... Yes, okay. Like so it was so hard. To, <laughs> yeah, it was so hard to figure out where to put in. Because, okay. like, all my research, it's, like, literally chronologically. But then, you know, like, of her career... That's and like then it answer. does, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and then it does all the, you know, personal life and all that. So it's hard to know where to put stuff in. But yes, we'll get to their relationship literally in like two seconds. You okay. literally read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so Ross's presumed first solo recording, "Someday We'll Be Together," was eventually released as a Supremes recording and began the group's final number one hit on the Hot 100. And it was also the final number one Billboard Hot 100 single of the 1960s. So it was like literally saying goodbye to the 60s, goodbye to the Supremes. Mm -hmm. I'm Diana Ross. I'm moving on. Mm -hmm. Bring on disco, baby. Yes. (laughs) Bring on the disco. This woman was made for a dance floor. Like, it cannot be more clear. Um, So she made her final appearance with the Supremes at the Frontier Hotel in Las Vegas, Nevada, on January 14th, 1970. Um, so, um, this is the part where I'm going to get to Barry Gordy, so okay. listen up, <laughs> for your ears. And so, like, um, he met her when she was 15, first met her, right? You know, mm-hmm, like, yeah. and so yeah. how much older so is like, he? So, I'm not exactly sure. Okay. You can Google that if you would like. <laughs> He's I older. Should. He's definitely yeah. older than her. But I don't think by like a huge, crazy, crazy amount. I don't know. I could be wrong. Um, but so for the past like previous five years that I've just listed. Oh, he, so <laughs> she was born in 44 and he was born in 29. Oh, okay. Yeah. What is that? 14 years? I don't know. <laughs> That's way off. 15 years. Yeah. Um, I oh, oh, okay. Um, so for for those past like five years I just talked about, or like basically since 1965, 
um, Ross became romantically involved with Motown CEO Barry Gordy. So that's like apparently officially when things became romantic was in 65. Okay. So the relationship lasted several years, which was part of when he was being like, oh, you should have your own, you know, solo career, whatever. But but he was not, they were not married. They weren't like ever like officially married, but everyone knew they were like in a relationship. So it was like super awkward. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the relationship lasted several years, resulting in the birth of Ross's eldest child, Rhonda Suzanne Silberstein. Um, in August 1971. Wait, where did but she? Get, oh, I was this. like, she must be get married. I'm like, where did Silverstein come from? <laughs> no, Sorry. that's her birth name. That is oh, her birth okay. name. So, two months into her pregnancy with Rhonda in 1971, Diana Ross ended up marrying music executive Robert Ellis Silverstein, who oh. raised. Rhonda, he raised Rhonda as his own daughter, you know, despite knowing who that Barry Gordy was the father. So Ross told Rhonda that Gordy um, was her biological father when she was 13. Wow. So 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 the relationship ended with Gordy when she was pregnant or before that. Well, yeah, she got married quickly then. Yeah, I mean, she she may not have known she was pregnant, you know, and mm-hmm. and started this other relationship. But I, maybe once she found out she was pregnant, the guy was like, "Let's get married quick," you right. know. Yeah, yeah, you cause know, it was a different so, times too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, for thirteen years, she had known Gordy as Uncle BB, and oh. then was told, "Like, that's actually your dad." Wow. Your biological dad so she has like two dads which is actually like cool you know so he is I in guess. her life like I know this isn't the Barry Gordy podcast yeah. but, like, <laughs> but now please refer to, to our Barry Gordy episode <laughs> yeah it's it's crazy to dig into like I'm telling you this should be a whole series like on its own like a whole podcast devoted to like Motown and all of this it's it's awesome. Like once you get into it, I'm like, this should be a movie. This should be a show. Like some of the shit that happened back in the day, like is insane. It's insane. Um, but so Ross ends up having two daughters with Silberstein, Tracy Joy, who doesn't love Tracy Ellis Ross. Tracy anybody? Ellis anybody? Ross. Yes. Love her. Talk about like a line of succession. Honestly, oh, she's a great to follow on on Instagram too. And her other daughter, Chudney Lane Silberstein, um, she so Tracy was born in 1972, Chudney in 1975, and um, Diana Ross and um, Silberstein divorced in 1977. So okay. that's when Ross to New York City in the early 80s after living in LA since like Motown left there in the 70s so she like got a divorce from this guy and was like let's go remove New York City <laughs> so oh, okay um yeah um okay and 
that's not like all from her love life. So there's nothing scandalous about like this relationship. So it seems like kind of really boring. So I apologize. Um, (laughs) But it just sounded like it was just like a a really quick relationship, like got married right away. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of like fizzled out. There was no drama that I know, like I couldn't find anything about that. So I just looked up um, who Silverstein is because now I'm curious. And like, so he was a music producer too, and he managed her at one point. So I guess, you know, it's hard when you work together and aren't married. Yeah. 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 He was a music executive. Yeah. So they were in the same business. So, um, you know, that's not all about her love life, but I am going chronologically here. So we'll get back here, you know, to the scandals and loves and all that. Um, So, okay, so now we're getting into the 70s and she releases a um, solo debut, which included her signature song, well, her signature songs, Reach Out and Touch Somebody's Hand and Ain't No Uh, Mountain High Enough, mm -hmm. and later becoming Ross's first number one solo single so follow-up albums everything is everything and surrender came out shortly after and in 1971 the ballad i'm still waiting became her first number one single in the uk um and later in 1971 she starred in her first solo television special called diana exclamation mark (laughs) yeah that what Cher had too i think Cher had a show called Cher. Yes, exactly, exactly. And there's ties there. So I'm like, was this like an ode to the other? I don't know. But um, I know. And and she ended up putting the Jackson 5 like in that special Diana exclamation mark. (laughs) Um, And a little fun fact was that Diana was pretty much like a mother figure to Michael Jackson from his Jackson five days, because remember, she's the one who, you know, gets credit for introducing them. So he was, he was part of the family. And, um, that could be where you have heard, you know, some more recent drama surrounding Mm -hmm. Diana Ross is because she, you know, he was like a son to her. Yeah. She's like a big defender of his. Um, Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Big, big Michael Jackson defender. So, and it, and it's like, you know, she was there with him from day mm-hmm. one. So, uh, th- I mean, that must be just so complicated. Yeah. Oh, that, I can't like, imagine. And she knew him to... as a child, mm-hmm. you know, so she yes, knew him exactly. when he really was like innocent. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Oh my God. And I'm sure she was just doing everything she could to help him, you know, like, like a mother, like a mother would. Um, so in 1971, Diana Ross began working on her first film. So she's getting into acting called Lady Sings the Blues, which was a loosely based biography on singer Billie Holiday. Um, despite some, I didn't know she did acting. Yeah. Despite some criticism of, of her for taking the role, um, once the film opened in October 1972, Ross w- run, won critical acclaim for her performance in the film. So um, jazz critic Leonard Feather, famous jazz critic, 
<laughs> Leonard Feather, um, who was actually like a friend of Billie Holiday's, praised Diana Ross for, oh, wow. quote, expertly capturing the essence of Lady Day. So her role in the film won her Golden Globe Award and Academy Award nominations wow. for Best Actress. So she is, yeah, a Golden Globe and Oscar nominee. <laughs> so no idea. Um, That's crazy. This, yeah. And then, of course, the soundtrack to Lady Sings the Blues became just as successful, reaching number one on the Billboard 200 um, and staying there for two weeks. And, you know, there was also this um, kind of uptick in Billie Holiday sales, too, you know, okay. because so jazz became kind of popular again during this time. So um, speaking of movies, Ross had success with movie-themed songs, of course, and the soundtrack for Lady Sings the Blues peaked at number one on Billboard's pop chart, selling over 300,000 copies in its first eight days. So, like, Damn. that's insane. And in 1972, the soundtrack to her film debut reached number one on the Billboard 200, selling two million units. And in 1973, her second number one hit, um, was with the ballad Touch Me in the Morning. And later in the year, Motown issued Diana and Marvin, a duet album with fellow Motown wow. artist Marvin Gaye. Um, the album became an international hit. And touring throughout 1973, Ross became the first entertainer in Japan's history to receive an invitation to the Imperial Palace for a private audience wow. with Empress Nag Nagako, who was the wife of Emperor Hirohito. So, oh my gosh, that's like yeah. so And I'm telling cute. you, when like, royalty I, wants to have a private audience with you. And we'll get back to the royalty. Please, please hold my wine. Hold my <sighs> wine. Um, so she it literally, it's like this woman did so much every single year. Like, there is no equal to the amount she like I have I I'm leaving take a vacation, out Diana like it's okay <laughs> I'm not kidding I'm leaving out like 90% yeah. of what I researched <laughs> and I'm just like rattling off just like I'm sorry but that is like the only way to do this and I'm leaving yeah, out very impressive just like accolade after accolade I have mm -hmm. to like leave on the cutting room floor I'm sorry <laughs> All these divas are just so accomplished. It's so hard. Oh, my God. I know. It's it's insane. So in April 1974, Ross became the first African-American woman to co-host the 46th Academy Awards with John Huston, oh. Burt Reynolds, and David Niven. So um, that was, like, pretty awesome. Yeah. Of the um, Academy Awards. So... Um, her second film, Mahogany, was released in 1975, and the film reunited her with Billy Dee Williams, her co-star in Lady Sings the Blues, and featured costumes designed by Diana Ross herself. So she's, like, wow. getting into, you know, mm -hmm. the creative side, too. Um, the story of an aspiring... Yep. The movie was um, the story of an aspiring fashion designer who becomes a runway model and the toast of the industry. Mahogany was a troubled production from its inception, and the film's original director, Tony Robinson, was fired during production, and Barry Gordy assumed the director's chair. Oh, yeah. wow. 
Okay. In addition, Gordy and Ross clashed during the film. I mean, they're like, uh, hello, have yeah. they are out of like a relationship, which I don't know that much about. Like, I couldn't even get into just their relationship. So, like, how contentious it was at any given time, mm-hmm. I don't know. But also, like, what kind of film directing experience do you have, Mr. Barry Gordy? <laughs> like, just yeah, because you're, like, yeah. a music executive CEO, I can kind of yeah, see, like, I think it was he might be like, I know what I'm doing a little bit more than you. Yeah, it, it just seems like yeah. a power move, totally. Yeah, I, I think that's what it was. But I, I don't know. I haven't heard, like, so many bad stories about him, you know, like. Like, right. Oh, it seems he, like they're amicable. Yeah. 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 So I don't know the full story behind that. So I don't know. So, um, so, okay. So Barry Gordy and Diana Ross clashed during filming with Ross leaving the production before shooting was completed, forcing oh, wow. Barry Gordy to use secretary Edna Anderson as a body double for Diana Ross. <laughs> so like, you're just a secretary at work yeah, come stand in. yeah your boss is like come in here and be a stand-in for diana ross in this movie oh, oh my god <laughs> um, wow the, the movie did um become a box office success and the film was not uh, oh sorry it was a box office success but the film was not received well by critics um time magazine's review of the film chastised gordy for squandering oh oh This is the best quote of the episode. Okay. (laughs) This quote by Time Magazine is iconic. Okay. Okay. This is about (laughs) Mahogany. (laughs) I'm like, get ready. Yes, this is about Mahogany, the movie that Barry Gordy took over. (laughs) So he, his review of of the film chastised Gordy for quote squandering one of America's most natural resources, oh. Diana Ross. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, she is a natural resource. That is the perfect way like, to describe course. her. Exactly. After you read it, you're like, yes, yes. This this person knew what they were talking about when they were writing oh about God. Diana Ross. This just sounds, again, like Sonny trying to, like, direct a movie with Cher, and it sucked. And, you know. Mm-hmm. So then she does the whole the whiz thing. Right. Um, okay, how could I, I think forget a lot the of people, whiz? Duh. Yeah, the whiz. So the whiz is an African-American reinterpretation of L. Frank Baum's The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. And the film initially was um, to include the stage actors who played on the play, but producer Rob Cohen um, couldn't really get the interest of, you know, major Hollywood people. So um, it wasn't until Ross convinced Cohen to cast her instead of Stephanie Mills, who played Dorothy on Broadway. So they had to change out a couple, you know, characters. So as Dorothy... um, Oh, okay. So she was cast as Dorothy and Universal Pictures agreed to do the film once Diana Ross was signed to it. So okay. this casting decision led to a change in the film's script in which Dorothy went from a school girl to a school teacher. And the role of the scarecrow 
also performed by someone else on stage, was eventually given to Ross's former Motown label mate and basically son, Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. So, like, famously, he's the scarecrow in The Wiz. And Diana Ross is Dorothy. So... Um, The film adaptation of The Wiz had been a $24 million production, but upon its October 1978 release, it earned only $21 million at the box office. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and then... I also thought the movie um, came out later, but... Well, there is, like, a revision of Mm -hmm. it, too. Um, Okay, blah, 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 blah. The film's failure ended Ross's short career on the big screen and contributed to the Hollywood studio's reluctance to produce the all-black film projects, which had become popular during the black exploitation era of the early to mid-70s, like for several years. So The Wiz was Ross's final film for Motown. Oh, Um, no, she should not let that stop her. (laughs) I know. Well, so so then she... um, in 1981, collaborated with former Commodores singer-songwriter Lionel Richie. Ever heard of him? No. Um, on the theme song for the film Endless Love. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So the Academy Award nominated title single, oh, title single, became her final hit on Motown Records and the number two record of the year. I mean, I only, all I ever think of when I think of that song is Happy Gilmore (laughs) when he uh, is kissing or like, you know, he makes the shot to kiss the girl and they (laughs) listen to Endless Love in the Dark. (laughs) Yes, yes. Oh my God, that is so classic. (laughs) Um, Okay, so the album Baby It's Me and Ross sold modestly. Okay, whatever, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) I'm telling you, it's like, it is just like thing after thing. I can't, like, I can't, mm-hmm. like, I can't. Um, in 1979, Ross released The Boss, continuing her popularity with dance audiences as the title song became a number one dance single. And on July 16th, 1979, Ross guest hosted an episode of Johnny Carson's The Tonight Show featuring Linda Carter, George Carlin, and Muhammad Ali. Wow. So shout out Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Um, So she began negotiations at this point to leave Motown at the end of 1980. So after over 20 years with the label, she received um, $250,000 as severance. And RCA Records offered Ross a $20 million seven-year recording contract, Damn. which gave her complete production control of her album. Yeah. So um, allegedly, good. allegedly before signing onto the label, she asked Barry Gordy if he could match RCA's offer. And he stated that doing so was impossible. And um, Diana Ross signed with RCA in May of 1981. And okay. at the time, um, Ross's, Ross was making music history's most expensive recording deal. So yeah, that I'd was say like, that the 70s, $20 million. That's crazy. Yeah, um, that was historic. Wow. And then it sounds yeah. like she would have stayed with Motown, you know, if they had were able to give her what she's worth, you know. But I mean, good for her for getting mm-hmm. what she's worth and the creative control, I'm sure, was like really huge too because um, we all saw what happens when Barry Gordy tries to direct your movie. So, <laughs> yes, 
Yes. And, and so this is the part of the story where in the timeline, um, we have a little crossover with your share episode. So this is like early eighties, right. And you Mm -hmm. know that all through the seventies, Cher and Diana Ross were just like at studio 54. Yes. Just like living living their lives. Um, and so they've been like, best friends basically this you know at least throughout the 70s who knows when they met I mean I'm sure you could google it and find out but what I mean is I don't know when they met so um so last week in your episode you covered share like we mentioned Mm -hmm. 50 times and um you said how she had dated Gene Simmons from Kiss yes that's where this comes into play. So from 1980 to 1983, Diana Ross dated Gene Simmons. Um, and as what is a with little, this guy? Like, I, know, I don't know. I know. <laughs> as a little refresher, um, they began dating after Cher, who had remained friends with Simmons following their breakup, suggested that he ask Diana Ross to help him choose her Christmas present. So oh, he was okay. like, he was like, um, oh, what do you want for Christmas? And she was like, go out shopping with Diana Ross, like my BFF, and she'll yeah. tell you what to buy. She knows what <laughs> I Christmas like. Present. Yeah. So um, although Gene Simmons in his autobiography says that he was not dating Cher when he met Ross and um, Diana Ross ended like her relationship with him when he gave her like an erroneous impression that he like started dating Cher again or something. I don't know. It was like a love triangle. Okay. That is like for the record books. Yeah. (laughs) So she was under the impression that maybe he and Cher were, were spending too much time together again. Yeah. 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 There was just, um, you know, a throuple incident happening, (laughs) I think. (laughs) You know, I, I mean, that is like when stories collide, right? Cher, Diana yeah. Ross, and Gene Simmons, like, love triangle. And Cher yeah. set him up with her, you know, like, she's the reason that they were together. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, this ultimately ended Diana Ross and Cher's friendship. So, Oh, no! Gene Simmons? Is the reason Gene Simmons is the reason we can't have nice things. Yeah, I'm like literally trying to find pictures of him early days just to see prove myself wrong, and I can't. (laughs) I hope there's pictures like I know they didn't have like tabloid pictures as much like paparazzi shots. Um, but this is why I hate Gene Simmons. This is why I hate Gene Simmons and why we can't have nice things. So um, in October 1981, Ross released her first RCA album, Why Do Fools, Fools Fall in Love? And the album sold over a million copies. And shortly thereafter, Ross established her production company named Aniad. Aniad. I don't know how to say it. It's okay. Diana spelled backwards. Okay. Oh, one of Diana those. Diana spelled backwards. It's like, it could be like Anade. Yeah. It's like a Harpo Anade. Productions. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, she also began investing in real estate 
and um you know she was touring extensively in the united states and abroad i mean this woman was booked and busy okay like yeah it's insane um in 1982, she ends up getting honored with a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, as she should have. That took way too um, long. I know, I know. Wait, oh, just wait. Just wait till you find out this mind-blowing thing later, later in the show. Stay tuned. Um, in 1982, she was honored. Oh, okay, just read that. Um, we're moving on to 1983 now. She performed, oh, this is like crazy. She performed a free concert on Central Park's Great Lawn, and it was, like, um, televised, aired live worldwide on Showtime. So the proceeds of the concert would be donated to build a playground in the singer's name, and midway through the beginning of the show, a torrential downpour began, and she tried tried to continue, like, performing, but the severe weather um, required that the show be stopped after 45 minutes. So she urged, like the mass amount of people to like exit safely and like, I'll, I'll be back tomorrow. I'll perform again tomorrow. So the second concert held the next day was without rain, thankfully. And the funds for the playground were to be um, derived from sales of various memorabilia, but the memorabilia was destroyed by the storm. Like they couldn't, they couldn't end up selling everything. So um, when the mainstream media discovered the exorbitant costs of the two concerts she Mm -hmm. faced a lot of criticism from new york city's then mayor um ed koch is it koch or coke koch i don't know (laughs) and um the city's parks you know he's like a famous when you read the name you know it but it's like weird to say anyway um so the the city's parks department commissioner um you know, was like, what the fuck? This, like, this, yeah. this um, concert, like, ruined the park. I'm sure there was, like, issues there. So, mm-hmm. um, and it was two days. Like, okay, one day, whatever. But to have, like, the same amount of, like, insane yeah. fans two days in a row was a lot of money for and the city. So free, you know, so, like, you know, I'm sure the crowds were huge, and, like, if she was trying to raise money for a playground, isn't she, like, a millionaire at this point? Like, I feel like she could have just donated it herself. I know, I know. Well, so, during um, a subsequent mayoral press conference, the mayor handed, oh, no, Diana Ross handed the mayor a check for $250,000 for the project. Like, wow. she was like, okay, I'll at least pay the cost of of the project, which of course, like, of course she was going to do. So the Diana Ross playground was built three years later and it's on my bucket list. (laughs) I want to play at the Diana Ross playground. Oh my God. I hope they have like, I hope all the play equipment like makes musical noises and it's like supreme. I bet it does. does. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. So getting back to my timeline, I know we're in the mid eighties. Okay. I'm, Sorry, I'm I'm gonna keep going. Don't apologize. Um, <laughs> this is Diana Ross, okay? She she's has just a lot. So many iconic things. So she appeared, of course, as part of USA for Africa's We Are the World, which was a charity single and it sold over 20 million copies worldwide. You know the song. Yep. 
don't start singing it because oh, it will be I was stuck like, in my head. <laughs> no, it will be stuck in my head for like the remainder of the week. Um, I won't do that to people. Okay. Um, so this is right around when Ross met her second husband, Norwegian shipping magnate Arnie Nayas Jr. Um, in 1985 and married him the following year. She became stepmother to his three elder children, Katinka, Christopher, and folk singer Leona Nayas. Okay. And they have two sons together, Ross Arne. Um, he was born in 1987. And Evan Olav born in 1988 you know him you love him this is evan ross as in yeah yes evan ross um yeah born to the one and only ashley simpson which ties into jessica simpson another diva i mean divas how they're connected it is so random that they're married i think but i I just always think about like family functions with diana ross and ashley simpson (laughs) yeah well i actually so upon further research for this episode i listened to oh god now i can't remember the name of the podcast i think it was called like hollywood undercover or something It, it was um evan ross was being interviewed and it was so good because they were asking him like about, you know, living with your mom as like one of the most famous women in mm-hmm. the world, you know, mm-hmm. um, and he seems so humble. He seems so soulful and just like cool as a cucumber, chill. He just seemed, but like he doesn't seem conceited or like, you know, my mom's a legend and Mm -hmm. this and that, like he just seems so humble and like a really good guy. Like like Tracy Ellis Ross. Yeah, exactly. She just like has good kids, you know, and she probably did a really good job of like keeping them out of the spotlight and keeping them humble. You know, she came from humble beginnings. So yeah. Yeah. And, and in his, um, in the interview I was listening to, he did talk about, um, somewhat his relationship with Michael Jackson and how he was Uh, he was like a brother to him like he grew up thinking Mm -hmm. like Michael Jackson was like as close to me as a brother so Mm -hmm. uh he definitely like is a defender of Michael Jackson too yeah um but they didn't get like too into the personal Mm -hmm. you know like what's his stance on everything or you know anything like that but, um, and then he also talked about just how, like, his mom will, like, go out and club, like, now. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> She'll awesome. call him. She'll just, like, call him up and be like, hey, meet me at the club. And he's like, I want to, like, go home. And she's still dancing. <laughs> she is just, like, you have to watch one of her, like, iconic um, performances because she just does not stop moving. Yeah, she is, like, so just up there, just, like. She, she has so much queen. energy. Yes, yeah. she she is like nonstop. So um, okay. So anyway, um, Ross and Nayas divorce in two thousand, and um, oh yeah, I guess there was like press reports that were released that Nayas had fathered a child with another woman in Norway. <gasps> so like, I don't know if that's why they divorced or just like they were like falling out and he, the husband was like already just like in another relationship, you know, mm-hmm. when they oh were kind of separated, God. like 
yeah. it's unclear. So she considers him to be the love of her life. Oh. So I think it was like a huge blow to her, like mm-hmm. personally. And this is insane. He ends up falling to his death in a South African mountain climbing accident in no. 2004. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But she still remains, she like is still close with her three ex stepchildren, mm-hmm. you know, his mm-hmm. children. But yeah, he fell to his death in South Africa. Wow. Yeah. Oh Crazy. God. Crazy That's death. Awful. Um, but anyway, back to 1986. <laughs> um, Ross hosted the 13th annual American Music Awards and she returned the next year to host the 14th annual telecast so she was like hosting Mm -hmm. she had gigs like all over the place um she ended up choosing not to renew her rca contract and had been in talks with her former mentor barry gordy to return to motown um and she learned um that gordy was planning on selling motown so um she tried like advising him against the decision but he sold it to MCA records in 1988. She was probably like, no, you can't like, this is what started me. You know, it was Mm -hmm. like, Oh, so following the sale of the company, Ross was asked to return to the Motown label with the condition that she have shares in the company as a part owner. So she accepted the offer. So she is. Oh, okay. Now part owner. Uh, That seems like a good gig for her. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay, so now we're in, oh, okay, here's a little royal tie-in. You're going to like this part. Um, in 1991, Ross became one of the few American artists to have headlined the annual Royal Variety Performance, performing a selection of her UK hits before Queen Elizabeth II and Prince Ah. Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, at the Victoria Palace Theatre in London. So that was in 91. Wow. This isn't the first time Diana had been in the presence of the royals. In 1965, the Supremes performed in London for the royal family. And on the podcast I was listening to with Mary Wilson, she talks Mm -hmm. about how when they were in the receiving line to meet the royal family, it was um, Princess Margaret's turn to, like, greet them. And she stopped right in front of Mary Wilson and said, are you wearing a wig? And, like, initially, she was, like, insulted, and she didn't understand, like, why Princess Margaret would ask her a, quote, backyard barbecue question, you know, like, she was just so thrown off. And at that exact moment, someone from a newspaper snapped a photo, which is now so iconic, and you guys have to go Google it right now. It's Mary Wilson giving Princess Margaret, like, such side eye. It is. Oh my God. Like you, she, she told the story like, you know, of how she looked right at her. Like she remembers that yeah. moment. That was the picture right after she asked her if she was wearing a wig. She was like, I was so uh, pissed. Like, I blah, blah, blah. see it. But then, She's like almost like rolling her eyes too. It's yes. great. <laughs> yes. It's so good. It's such a good picture. And we all know um, how snarky Princess Margaret was, you know? <laughs> yeah, but they actually ended up becoming friends because, oh. um, you know, if you listen to this this podcast, you kind of get a sense of Mary Wilson's um, personality. You know, she's she's pretty funny and she's 
you know, she's kind of comes back and Mm -hmm. she just has like those quick, smart, like retorts, you know, that seems Mm -hmm. like would be right up um, Princess Margaret's alley for being friends. I love that. Apparently they stayed friends. So um, it's pretty, pretty cool. Royal tie in. Um, But back to the Diana timeline and we love Diana's princess Diana. That's right. All Diana. Um, I know. And again, listen, I'm leaving out five to six things. Like every fact I give you, there are five to six other things like that I had to leave out. So just again, please know. Um, in 1976, um, a little movie called The Bodyguard came out, remember? And Diana Ross was supposed to star with Steve McQueen, like in The Bodyguard. Like Diana Ross was supposed to be. Wait, the Whitney Houston bodyguard? Or this was like earlier? No. Oh, okay, because you said 76. Yes, it was in like... 76. Oh. The, oh. Did I say the movie came out? I didn't mean to yeah. say the movie came out. So, so this writer wrote uh-huh. the bodyguard and was like, okay. he was like, I want this like movie to be made, blah, 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 blah. He had Diana Ross like in talks mm-hmm. to be. You know, but then it fell through. The oh project didn't come together okay. until mm-hmm. 1992 with, of course, Whitney Houston, speaking <sighs> of iconic mm-hmm. women in yeah, the music. Yeah, divas. <laughs> uh-huh. That's why I was like, wait, what? <laughs> mm-hmm. So many diva tie-ins. I'm telling you, it's all connected. Um, So... 1992, Whitney Houston and Kevin Costner famously star in um, The Bodyguard. And another interesting... Like, held out for Whitney Houston for that role. She was on tour, and he's like, no, I want Whitney Houston in this role. (laughs) Wow, I didn't know that. Oh, my God, I love that so much for him. He's such a love him, right? Yes. Has he done done anything questionable? God, I hope not. No, I'm telling you guys... If you want to cry, watch his eulogy at Whitney Houston's um, funeral. <laughs> if you need to get no, cry. Oh, stop. I'm going to cry right now just thinking about it. Stop. I'm drinking red wine, in case you can't tell. <laughs> um, okay. I got to keep going, girl. I'm going to cry. Um, Would oh, you like the famous so, men we love pot a series? <laughs> yes. Write that down. Steven, write it down. Um, oh, my God. So good. So... Oh, another little fun fact about bodyguards, like speaking of, um, one of Diana Ross's bodyguards was Mr. T. <laughs> like, yes, that's Mr. awesome. T. Isn't that insane? Like Mr. T. God, don't you love when you like remember about that. Mr. T? <laughs> it just like makes you smile. You're like, oh yeah, Mr. T, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, sweet. Um, anyway. So, okay, another thing she did was perform during the opening ceremony of the 1994 FIFA World Cup, where she infamously missed a penalty kick, which was, like, part of her act, I guess. But, like, (laughs) she goes to make the goal and, like, misses it. And um, I guess that's, like, infamous (laughs) in the history books. And, um, you know, she did this whole act for the pre-match entertainment. And in 1996, she performed at the Super Bowl Mm. 30. Oh, thank God. It says XXX. That's the (laughs) easiest Roman numeral to read. I had like a mini heart attack knowing Roman numerals were about to come up. 
was like, oh, oh God, God. That's so funny. Oh, thank you. X, 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 X. Thank God, Diana Ross, that you performed at the Super Bowl 30 halftime show. Um, and that was held at the Sun Devil Stadium in Tempe, Arizona. Yeah. So in 1996, she received the World Music Awards Lifelong Contribution to the Music Industry Award, something or other, awards, lifetime, contributing music. So many. There's so many yeah. awards. Ugh. Oh, and right now, and in this moment, we're going into perhaps such an iconic moment from our <laughs> lifetime that we remember Diana Ross for. Mm. Okay. Tell me if you remember this when in 1999, Diana Ross presented at the 1999 MTV Video Music Awards and shocked the audience by touching rapper Lil Kim's exposed <laughs> breath. Yes. Remember yes. when she had like the one exposed <laughs> boob with the pasty nipple cover? Like, and Diana Ross outfit. Just, like, yeah. And Diana Ross like, just does a little like boob tap. Yeah. <laughs> Gives her a little like pat. Like, oh my God, I can't, I forgot about that. That yeah. is a famous moment in time. <laughs> yes, right? You remember that. Thank you. Yes. Okay, good. Yes. I was like, that. that is like, I feel like what our generation like Ugh. most knows Diana Ross for <laughs> like that's when you <laughs> first Kim were Kim like Kim. yeah yeah you're like who's this lady <laughs> oh that's Diana Ross oh the lady from oh the Supremes okay <laughs> then you're like whoa it's just amazing I um, love yeah and um okay so I'm not sure if this was like before or after the boob tap but um in that same year, 1999, she got in a dispute with a security guard at um, London's Heathrow Airport and as a result was arrested and detained for 48 hours. Oh, my before, God. Oh, no, four hours before being released. She Whoa. got arrested, like, in Heathrow Airport. Fighting with a security guard. I wonder yeah, what she happened. Had some what went dispute. down? Yeah. I don't know. That was at ni- in 99. So mm-hmm. in 2000. Oh, so, Okay. In these years, she made just, like, so many guest appearances and um, even did kind of, like, a Supremes revival tour, but it was canceled after a couple shows because of poor ticket sales. But it was, like, there was infamously this, um, you know, uh, Mary Wilson was not going to perform in it because they couldn't reach, Uh, you know, a a negotiated price for her performance. She wanted more. She wanted more money because I'm sure Diana Ross was getting paid a mm-hmm. shit ton more. So yeah. um, they couldn't come to, you know, an agreement. So she was not even part of the revival tour. So that yeah. was like, you know, a huge thing. Like, oh, there's a feud. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. There, there was just like too many moving parts. So the tour was not good. It, it kind of like fell apart. So in... 2002, she admitted herself into the 30-day substance abuse program at the Promises Institute in Malibu, California, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I just chuckle because, like, everybody goes to Promises. <laughs> like, we know Lindsay Lohan promises. Like, yeah. yeah. We know. Yeah. And so, wait, because um, I, I remember she got a DUI in my hometown, yes, Tucson, Arizona. Up. Okay. So, that was not, yeah. I thought that maybe that's what led her to go to rehab. Okay. Yep. No. So she went to rehab previously. So she, okay. you know, she has a substance abuse mm-hmm. problem. Um, 
and um oh so so she went she went there because her friends and family began to notice a worsening alcohol problem. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they probably had like a little intervention and she agreed to go. Yeah. So, um, but like also because it's the early two thousands, there's suddenly like a lot of interest in Diana Ross. And like, was it probably because she was like in tabloids about, you know, like going to rehab and mm-hmm. this and that, like the early two thousands, like what was pop culture makes no sense but like um also it was such a a cringeworthy time too (laughs) it was it really was so many things did not age well like any movie you watch from the early 2000s you are gonna cringe yeah at least 50 times in the first 10 minutes (laughs) like it's guaranteed it's guaranteed um but so okay So I'm thinking also like older women who were growing up in the prime of Diana Ross Mm -hmm. and then their children who are like fans by proxy are at that age where it's like a nostalgia thing. And like you would go to a concert with your mom because it's like a legend. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it was like that point in her career where like it's more of a nostalgia thing too, Mm -hmm. you know, like just to say like, I want to go see Diana Ross, like oh my God, she was my favorite growing up. I remember like mm. me and my mom was saying that and, um, you know, so she's just <sighs> warming hearts all over yeah. this world. So she was getting she's, like kind of like a second or like not second, but a revival of her own popularity yeah. kind of like this time. Yeah, right. Because I think she was probably thinking like, oh my, you know, the Supremes revival tour didn't go well and mm. I'm like, going to rehab and like she was probably like at that point where a lot of um you know celebrities major celebrities either choose the path of like Uh self-destruction or you figure out a way to kind of like stay with the times like Dolly Parton you know yeah Mm -hmm. she is just like transformational yeah yeah exactly which is part of what makes these women divas um so at this point, a new tour is in the works um, for this like nostalgic comeback until in August, shortly after the tour began, Ross re-entered the Promises Institute Substance Abuse Rehabilitation Program. And then that December, she's spotted in Tucson, Arizona. This is when you come in. So yeah. At Arizona's, oh my God, Arizona, Arizona's Canyon Ranch Health mm-hmm. Resort, um, she was pulled over by Tucson police for driving the wrong way on a one-way street, and she failed a breathalyzer test and was arrested for a DUI. She was uh, later sentenced to 48 hours in jail, which she served near her home in Greenwich, Connecticut. So, so this that- was in 2002. Yes. Because I definitely, yeah, I was, so I was still in high school then. Um, I definitely remember this happening. It was like such big news, like local news, you know? Um, I believe, 
I believe the story, and I might be getting this wrong, is she went to a Blockbuster, and one of the Blockbuster employees noticed that she might have been um, intoxicated and right. and called and called like the cops or something like that. And then obviously they saw her going the wrong way, you know. But that's like where a lot of these DUI arrests do come from is like the um, drive-through person or like the Seven Eleven person, yeah, you know, the convenience we'll store. The cops, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh so, wow. I just remember it was like a blockbuster connection in that story. <laughs> there had to have been, of course. That Early is 2000s. crazy. Yep, it tracks. It totally tracks. Um, so that was kind of a little hiccup in her uh, little history here. But um, still, more and more awards followed after this incident. She's an icon and a little DUI yep. wasn't going to hold her down so I mean obviously um, so many you know stars have struggled with substance abuse problems and you know that doesn't take anything away from their talent so right right yeah DUI is not I mean god these days army hammers murdering people like Jesus eating people (laughs) jeez yeah (laughs) yeah we got people out here eating people okay we have cannibals in Hollywood now the cannibals are in Hollywood (laughs) a DUI is fucking nothing okay Oh, my God. Um, so even the makeup industry wanted in on, like, this amazing Diana Ross effect. And um, in 2005, they launched her MAC Icon Makeup Collection as part of the Beauty um, Corporation's Icon Series. So, of course, they had an Icon Series. Obviously, I Diana Ross is going to yeah. be involved. Yeah. So, um, oh, and who can forget in 2005 when Ross was featured as an honored guest at Oprah Winfrey's Legends Ball. Mm-hmm. Remember for Legends Ball weekend, like the three-day mm-hmm. celebration honoring 25 Amer- African-American women in art, entertainment, and civil rights. And on May 22nd, 2006, the next year, um, a one-hour program about the weekend aired on ABC um, including celebrity interviews and behind the scenes moments. And I loved when that, like, I remember when that came out because I was like, oh my God, like all the inside scoop of mm-hmm. Oprah's Legends Ball weekend. Like I'm there. Yes. What happened? So smart. Get the details. To do that. Yeah. yeah. So smart. Yeah. So um, more music and albums are awarded like such as, that's like my favorite thing to say. Wasn't that like a pageant lady said that? such as (laughs) lady who says she goes you know like such as and she's talking about like oh I don't know something (laughs) like oh god someone tell me dm me at instagram (laughs) nope at famous kate and liz (laughs) on instagram Instagram, kate with a c kate with a c um Anywho, moving on. In 2007, she was honored with the BET Awards Lifetime Achievement Award and later as one of the honorees at the Kennedy Center Honors. So, like, 2007, she's killing it left and right. Mm -hmm. Um, She does not stop performing. She headlines the 2008 Nobel Peace Prize concert in Oslo, Norway, because, of course, she did. She loves Norway, too. She loves her regions, apparently. (laughs) Yes, she does, and I can't blame her. Um, In 2009, she jumped back into the limelight when it was revealed that pop icon Michael Jackson had requested um, that she be an alternate guardian for his children. So, Mm. like, that just shows how close you were. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean when you probably have heard 
her connection with Michael Jackson in the more recent times. Yeah. So she was in 2011 inducted into the Michigan Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, and then no, way too late. <laughs> what oh, are we now? Like in year this one. 45 of her career. Like <laughs> Wait for this one. The next year in 2012, she received her first Grammy award. No. Lifetime achievement. No. They never won anything for the Supremes or her solo work. What? Nope. nope. And they want, they had like Guinness records for the amount of albums sold by a female vocal uh, group and this and that. I never am shocked. Won a Grammy. <laughs> nope. My nope. jaw is on the floor. Yeah. That makes me, if that does not show you how racist award shows are, yeah. get out. <laughs> yeah. So that, that, um, was a lifetime achievement award. So that was like its own special because mm-hmm. people were probably when they found out she doesn't have a Grammy, like what the fuck? Like, what do you do? So they were like, well, we'll give her a lifetime achievement. Yeah. Yeah. That's 2012. Um, and then who can forget on November 20th, 2014, um, she presented the Dick Clark award for excellence to Taylor Swift at the American music Awards. She wore that Diana Ross wore that, um, you know, like off the shoulder black mm-hmm. gown. Seen it now. That's not what we remember from that moment. You know, I forgot that she was even the presenter. <laughs> oh, yes. And um, this isn't the Kanye moment. Oh, oh, okay. That's what I was thinking of. Oh, I didn't know no, that. Okay. That was, so I had to look that up to make sure that wasn't the same year. That was in 2009. Okay, okay, okay. Got so it. So this is like one this Taylor is like, Swift award moment that yes. I have in my head. Yes. Yes, I shouldn't have said like, you know, the most iconic moment because, you know, but but I remember like Diana Ross in this off the shoulder dress and I'm like, my shoulders don't even look anywhere near that good. <laughs> like and this woman is like in her 60s at that point or maybe even already in her 70s. Yeah. Um so and Taylor had that like super you know, form fitting silky green dress on look it up you'll remember it you'll remember seeing it you'll be like oh yeah yeah yeah. um so in 2016 she resumed her in the name of love tour which began in 2013 and in 2016 she was awarded the presidential medal of freedom by president obama um good also in 2016 billboard magazine named her the 50th most successful dance club artist of all time which like 50th yeah, okay. I think she's like top five. Yeah. I mean, if what not we number one. Dance club. Uh, apparently, right. she's still out in the club. So, <laughs> yeah, she's number one. Um, 2017, she headlined the Essence Festival in New Orleans with her daughter, Rhonda oh. Ross Kendrick, performing as the opening act. So now she's wow. like getting a little family act together. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2017, she received the American Music Awards Lifetime Achievement Award. She performed several of her hits, ending with Ain't No Mountain High Enough, during which she brought out all of her grandchildren on stage. Um, her eldest grandson, eight-year-old Rafe Hennick Emmanuel Kendrick, who is the son of Rhonda, 
and her husband Rodney, they performed like this impromptu dance behind her, which gained like a ton of attention. This was in 2017. And she <sighs> then joined um, on stage. Oh, she was then joined on stage by all of her children, their spouses, Aww. and her first ex husband, Robert Ellis. Oh, uh, that's so nice. Yeah. So, uh, oh, and Smokey Robinson. Who, you know, basically brought her into Motown Mm -hmm. and Motown founder Barry Gordy. So they all joined her on stage when she received that Lifetime Achievement Award. So that's so nice because like these are all the people who helped her get where she is, you know, to have that Lifetime Achievement, you know. And she's such a family. She's Mm -hmm. such a family woman. Like listening to Evan talk about her, like you just know she was such like not only is she a diva, but she is like literally so connected to all of her children and like mm. he was like she was there all the time you know like I knew she would go out on tour do this or that but like she was still so involved and like wow constantly in touch and so you know she she is a good mom yeah um, which is awesome oh, I love that not how it is with these d-bags right. you know um so and then again another you know way to show you how relevant she is in the dance scene still in 2018 she um consolidated her status as a dance diva by ranking number three in the billboard dance club songs nope let me read that again in the billboard dance club songs artists year end chart oh my god i'm not reading that again it's so (laughs) many words it's so many words um so basically um she's still like going to the clubs and they are playing her music I don't know I haven't been to a club wow okay so that she has like a song that's cool yeah 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 like they're still playing her songs like whether they're you know from Mm her 80s and 90s years or you know straight up 70s dance classic like disco beats yeah um But she also has, um, she also, oh, in 2020, most recently, she released Supertonic Mixes, a collection of nine of her greatest hits remixed by Eric Kupper and um, featuring, uh, yeah, um, featuring her four back-to-back number one hits on Billboard Dance Club Songs chart, Ain't No Mountain High Enough, 2017, I'm Coming Out, which, uh, and Upside Down from 2018. Um, the Boss 2019 and Love Hangover 2020. So um, this guy just like remixes her biggest dance hits, and um, it was released on CD and Crystal Clear vinyl LP, which is like super cool and hip. I'm gonna have to look into that. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, but that's got to be awesome. Just mm-hmm. like dance club, like an instant dance club hit you know and and still like just timeless obviously that they're still playing yeah. it yep yep so um she's also really fun to follow on twitter and instagram just fyi oh i don't know if <laughs> i do those people her. she'll she'll like um on twitter just post like a word <laughs> and then like three weeks later post another word and then if you like look at them from like the first one to the last one, it will like say something like a sentence, you know, like it'll make okay. like a sentence. It's yeah, it's one of those like okay, interesting, Very interesting deep. use of Twitter. Yeah, right. 
So she really thinks about it, I think, when she, she doesn't just tweet, like, you know, she really she thinks about She doesn't just, like, like, verbal diarrhea like Cher does. She just is very thoughtful yeah. in her tweets. Like, one tweet, I'll give you an example. Like, one tweet was, I. Then it was, am. Then it was, hopeful, with a heart. Mm. Okay. So, but they were, like, weeks, weeks apart, you know, or, like, at least days. So, um, yeah. They're definitely planned out, like, in advance, which is, like, pretty cool. Um, but so, yeah, I don't know. Do you want to add anything about your... Oh I mean, uh, that was just... This is so long. I'm so sorry. No, this was so good. Like, I did not know that much about her personal life. Um, and, yeah, no, this is really great. She's such a legend, such a living legend, like you said. Um, I, great job. Great job. Oh, thank you. I mean, God, seriously, just go do your own research too, guys. If you're like, want to know more, I, I, I don't know what Wikipedia more you can everything know. you're talking about because I need to know more. That's what I'm doing right now. On my yeah, phone, I'm telling you. Photos, looking up yeah. more things. Yep. Each I'm like, like who is her different. Yeah. Each different aspect of her life like could be its own series, basically. Uh, um, it goes so okay. deep, and yeah, so. If you're still with us, thanks for listening. I know. I'm sorry. I, I'll i do better next time. No, these demons are so big that they warrant um, supersized episodes, I think, because of, like, each one has had, like, a 50-year-long career. So, you yeah. know, in addition yeah. to their personal lives. Um, yep. So I loved it. We're definitely going to have to do um, a diva's volume two or something <laughs> yeah we'll have to do like more like current day divas mm. like of our yes. time I think these are the OG oh, God, divas so that many. gave the way mm-hmm. that's right that is absolutely right so next week we'll be back with a new series so you know give us a listen next week to figure out what we're talking about literally could be anything like I don't even know if we know yet so <laughs> We're going to go, we're going to go discuss what we're going to be researching next. And, um, you take a week off, you know, do some self care, um, you know, do what makes you happy. Yeah. And we'll go call your bestie. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Oh my God. Good callback. A good callback. Yes. Call your best friend right now. If you haven't, or your other best friend, you know, like yeah. you can have a few best friends. Like Just that's cool. call someone and chit chat. <laughs> it's the yeah, best. It's great great for the soul um so yeah hopefully we'll um see you next week no you can't say see you but you know we'll be in your ear holes next week we will be coming to an ear hole near you next week (laughs) let us know follow us on instagram um at famous kate and liz kate with a c and you can email us uh famous kate and liz at gmail.com and we love you guys Yeah, thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye.